And we're back here with the All-American Red Shirts. Cam, long time no see. How's everything going? Everything's been great. I mean, I've been in a great headspace. Everything, life is just awesome. We have the holidays over with. We have football coming to an end. Life is just awesome. Big games are being played. Things are moving. Spring is almost here, which is a great time of the year to go outside and do stuff. So I'm living the life. How about you? Doing good, man. You know, holidays are always busy, so it's good to kind of slow down a little bit, settle back in, traveling, all that stuff's done, over with. Like you said, spring's coming around the corner. The only thing that sucks is that college football is coming to an end. The national championship game is being played next week. LSU versus Clemson. The matchup we all waiting for. Who's the real Tigers? Who is the real Death Valley? Who has the real Death Valley? Battle of Death Valleys. I guess we'll find out. I think I know where I'm going with it. We'll talk about it a little bit later in the podcast. What is your first thought on that game as I say that? I'm excited. I think this is going to be one of my favorite national championship games since probably the USC, um, USC versus Texas game way back in the day um i really think this is going to be a great game like two great coaches going at it with two phenomenal teams these were definitely two of the best uh teams in the country there was i think three top teams with ohio state included in there but only two can move on and these two are it and we're it's going to be a show and i am so excited for it it's in louisiana which it's (laughs) That is like home field advantage for LSU, so it's going to be very interesting to see how many LSU fans show up and take over that uh, that dome. Well, I know there's going to be at least two Clemson Tiger fans there because my mom and my grandma are both there right now currently as we record this. I was supposed to be there, but I'm in class right now, so I had to uh, miss out on that. Had a plane ticket and everything. I was ready to go. Just missed out. Oh. That's that's a once in a that's once in a lifetime. You need to quit everything you're doing and just go. It was heartbreaking. Just get it. Heartbreaking to say the least, but oh. education's more important. But with that being said, we'll jump into a little bit more of the details of today's podcast. Let's get it going. everybody for tuning in as always all american red shirts here cam playoff games are unreal well one of them was the other one was unreal for other reasons lsu beat oklahoma 63 to 28 unreal in the fact that lsu just made a mockery of oklahoma and trounced them like at one point i was looking at my buddy christian i was like lsu might put up 120 points this game like they're on pace to do this 
I mean, the, the records that were set in that game were unreal. Joe Burrow, absolutely insane. I, there's nothing you can say about that guy. There's nothing you can do to critique him. What did you think about that game watching that? I saw one of the best quarterback performances I've ever seen in college football for me. Ever. It was unreal. Joe Burrow was 29 of 39, 493 yards, and seven touchdowns, with an eighth touchdown being of running. Like, what the hell? Like, that is the – that oh, you can't even do that on, like, co- the college football game on, like, the PS4 you can't do that on. Like, yeah, it's, it's insane. And he did this in real life against an Oklahoma team that's actually really – good the defense obviously is not up to par as like the sec and the big 10 but it's still one of oklahoma's better defenses they had in the past couple years and what did joe burrow do just torch them torched them and just torched them some more uh the receiver justin jefferson had 14 receptions for 227 yards and four touchdowns <laughs> that was insane too i just when i saw that i was like man I hope LSU wins because that that display was incredible, and I don't think we'll ever see a display like that ever again against like a top team. Yeah, I mean it was it was crazy, and that was that that was without their leading rusher. Exactly. So like, I don't know, dude. It was just it was yeah, crazy. Clyde, they essentially Clyde, didn't run the ball. <laughs> yeah, Clyde actually. So Clyde, if any, if nobody knows, is their. Uh, uh, running LSU's running back, and he he's been hurt for a little while, and he could have played in this game and was basically ready to play, but Cotro was just hoping that they would win the game and save him for the national title game, and had him ready. And well, Joe Burrow said, "No, we don't need you, Clyde. Today we'll need you for the championship game." And he never came in the game, which is crazy because he's kind of like an Alvin Kamara type, how they use him out of the backfield and the way he moves and everything. So it was great that LSU could just win by just throwing and didn't even have to worry about the run. Like that that's just, I tip my hat to LSU on doing that because if I was Oklahoma, I would just be covering everybody as much as I could and let them run on me. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I don't know. <laughs> Oklahoma just didn't show up. Like even their no, offense right. was their offense was off too and like LSU's got a pretty good defense. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're elite, Mm-mm. but they're pretty good, right? Yeah, they're very good. They're not as good as I think in past years, but they no. they showed up way more than I thought they would um, to in this game. I thought they were going to let up more points than 28 just because that's kind of how they did in the season, but they actually held strong, and they had phenomenal plays. In the secondary with Grant Delpit, Stingley Jr., um, also on uh, Kavion Chasen, yeah, he had um, a coming game. off that, co- yeah, coming off that edge had a great game. It's like, man, these boys, they're just they're just men just taking over this game, and they did what they needed. And LSU just blew Oklahoma away. Yeah, and I think LSU jumping out to an early lead. Helped, helped out that a lot. The momentum really yes. carried over to the other side of the ball. Gave I them the confidence to play aggressive to where, like, we know our offense can score so we can play aggressively and maybe give up a big play or two because we know we're going to be able to answer the next yep. series. You nailed it. I think LSU is always, obviously, any team is better when they score first, but especially this LSU team, they can score and score early 
it's going to put way less pressure on the defense and they can be more aggressive. And when LSU's uh, defense is aggressive, oh man, everybody needs to watch out because they got playmakers all over the field. And that's where, honestly, I think the game was won right there. Scoring as soon as you, as early as possible and just letting that defense thrive. Because if that defense is in pressure situations, I, which I've seen this year, they don't do as well. They give up points they give up a lot of yards so it's like they need to get out early and that's what's going to need to happen in their in national title game yeah absolutely that i'll tell you i'm going to end it on this Derek stingley is going to be a first round probably top 10 pick when he comes out oh easily it is unreal he's a freshman, freshman and he is one of the best defensive bats in the country i've never seen anything like it like he's probably top was, five defensive backs in the country right now currently oh yes i completely agree and i never say that about a freshman ever but that guy has impressed the hell out of me like he is incredible yeah it's it was dumbfounding i mean he played great against georgia made an interception against georgia that i was just like how did that even happen like Great coverage all the way down the field, and he turns around and found the ball and caught it like a receiver. You don't see that very often anymore in DBs. No, never. <laughs> but on that end, you had a high-scoring game, at least on one side of the ball, 63 points to 28. The next game coming up after this is something I was I really needed on that day because I was like, I can't watch another blowout. Please just give me a good game. And, man, did it deliver. Clemson versus Ohio State. Wow. Absolute. I can't even describe it. One of the best playoff games we've had probably ever besides the Rose Bowl with Georgia and Oklahoma. Other than that, that's probably the second best playoff game we've ever had. Justin Fields throws a late interception to lose a game. Clemson scores, what was it, 21 unanswered points at one point yep. in the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of controversial calls that kind of, you know, you could go either way depending on who you're a fan of. What was your take? This game, before it happened, was one of my favorite games I've ever seen on paper besides some national title games in the past couple years. Hands down, I was hoping this would be a close game. Like you said, no blowout, and yes, it was It was close. It was unreal. It could have went either way, and Clemson was just fortunate that they were on top. But I will say I think the better team uh, – lost this game i think the better team overall was ohio state just all around i just think clemson won because they executed to a higher standard than ohio state and i think that's a part of the reason is Dabo. dabbo has been here plenty of times before but also these players have been in this situation plenty of times before so they know how to execute. They know what the bid stage is like. And I know Ohio State's been here too, but they're under a new head coach, a new way of um, preparing for an opponent and everything. And new sometimes the bid moment get exactly and gets the bid moment to their heads a little bit. And they don't know exactly what to do with all these lights flashing and everything. And I think that played a little bit of part into it. And I honestly think Ohio State was the best team. But, hey – Clemson is right there, and they're going to be an amazing opponent for LSU. I was super impressed. I think the most impressive thing in that game was the way Clemson used Trevor Lawrence in the run game. They were making so many quarterback draws and quarterback reads that it was insane. Like He was getting 
pounded play after play after play. I'm waiting for him to just lay on the field and get carted off, and uh, here comes uh, Bryce in for uh, Clemson. But no, that never happened. Trevor Lawrence showed me that he is way tougher than he looks, and he's ready to will his team to a national title. It was an extremely impressive display, and honestly, they could win it all. They have everything you need to win it all. They got in all three phases of the game. They have it all, and it's going to be an incredible matchup between LSU, Tigers versus Tigers, but... Hey, that uh, Clemson-Ohio State game, hands down for me, best playoff game I've seen yet. Wow, better than the Georgia-Oklahoma game? Yes, I will say that. Because I was more hyped. Uh, that's The only reason is because I was more hyped for this game. than The, the other game I didn't, eh, whatever. This I was hyped with how many players on both sides of the ball will be in the NFL. Is more on this game there than there was for the um, Oklahoma game. Georgia. I'm going to completely disagree with you on the fact that that was a better playoff game. It, it's it? close. Triple close. overtime. Georgia scores 21 un- 24 unanswered points against a Heisman Trophy winner. I will say it's it's close. It, it, it's so close, and it's hard to pick. You have a I Heisman can, Trophy it, winner on one side of the ball and a true freshman on the other. God, and the true comes freshman the, comes out? Come, come on, the man. the fan coming out of Gunner. Come no, on, man. You, that's, you, you need to run a poll. <laughs> we need to run a poll. I'm gonna. I'll reach out to some of the people on Twitter that have more followers and 200 like me, and we'll run a poll. Excuse me. Fair. So, fair enough. We'll let Twitter decide that one. But going back to the Clemson Ohio State game, I think Ohio State matches up better against LSU, but I think Clemson is the better team. I think Clemson has better talent overall across the field than Ohio State. Now, Ohio State has two or three. I want to object on that. I don't know about that. Like, you could go position by position. Clemson has better wide receivers, 100%. Clemson has better wide receivers than who? Ohio State, 100%. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay, name another. Quarterback. I'll take Trevor Lawrence over Justin Fields any day of the week. Eh, that's super close. And trust me, I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan. But that is that's super close. Give me another I, one. I agree that's pretty close, but it's not that far off. Like, Trevor Lawrence probably has him. You could say they're even there. I would agree with even. Okay, then give me, give me another one. Because I'll, I'll... Travis Etienne and J.K. Dobbins are very Yeah, even. But I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's even, even. But I will, okay. Go offensively, they're about the same. Go defensively, who has the better corners? Easily, it's Ohio State. I don't agree. With Akuda and Sean Wade? Those are two first-round picks. Who the Clemson? Isaiah we Simmons don't even know who their corners. Are. Isaiah Simmons is the best well, no, no, hold on, hold on. on the field. Hold on. Yes, and I and nah, no, Akuda is better. But Simmons, I will get into this later, is one of my favorite players in college right now because he plays linebacker, safety, and corner. He sits for 225 pounds. Is a freak of an athlete, but that's just one player. On Ohio State, you have Sean Wade, you have Jeffrey Okuda, you have Chase Young, who's going to be a top two pick in the draft, one of the best defensive ends to come out in a long time. You have some other defensive uh, 
who oh, I forget the guy, one of the defensive tackles who's a high high pit too. It I Ohio State has better players on defensively than Clemson. That's that's why I think Ohio State's a little better than Clemson. I think you can go with defensive line overall as a whole, yes. But okay, and secondary. To me, their secondary is AJ Terrell is a stud. Eh, Sean a stud. Wade's better. He is, but Sean Wade's better. Jeffrey Okuda and Simmons kind of blots each other out if you're comparing those two as corner bats. But Sean or uh, Okuda is better than him in corner and safety. But Simmons obviously can play three positions, so he's probably more valuable. <coughs> I mean, it's close. I'll give you that. It's it's close. I just think Ohio State has just a teeny tiny more. I think the amount of talent that Clemson has on the offensive side of the ball, I think overall as a team, Clemson has more talent. Overall. Now, does Ohio State have a better defense? Yes. Overall. Clemson has a way better offense to me than Ohio State does as a whole. I okay. think the wide receiver okay. core Who's the long snapper then? Who's the long snapper? The long, long snapper versus long snapper. That's going to separate it. Give me a second here. <laughs> Patrick, we all... <laughs> Patrick Fibbs. Patrick Fibbs is for Clemson or Ohio That's State? The, the first, the starting long snapper for Clemson. It's Patrick yeah, he Fibbs. sucks. I'm sorry. I don't know, man. He's a senior. He's probably going to get drafted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. He'll, he'll go to the Jaguars third round. We really love to pick special teams there. <laughs> no, not the Jaguars will pick him second round. Come on. Yeah, you're right. We'll, we might even trade up for him. We're oh, we're gonna trade a fourth Just, and fifth round pick to move up. Don't trade like the butts. Get in the kicker in the second round. I mean, can't do much worse than that. Who was that? Ricky Aguayo or some? That was his name, Ricky Aguayo. Not Ricky. That's his brother, Rob, uh, Roberto Aguayo. Oh, got you. I knew it was one of those guys. I don't wow. want to talk about that anymore. Fire those cannons, Man, that's baby. A, that's a sore, sore, sore subject. Fire those cannons. But <laughs> going back to the game, Ohio State, they had their chance, man. And like a, the, a lot of people were talking about the controversial calls. But you can talk about that. And, yeah, that the catch could have been a fumble. Could have not been. Honestly, honestly that particular – that should have been a fumble. And I honestly, I didn't know who to root for in this game. And I was just like, man, it's kind of obvious that that's a fumble. The guy, what, stepped three times? Like, that that's a catch. And then the ball gets knocked down. And that's a fumble. But I don't get why it was never really called a fumble. I know because they said he didn't have possession. But how does three steps not tell you he has position and the ball's not moving in his arms it's still so it's like that has to be possession like i've seen catches that are people falling out of bounds with yes yes far less and be like i oh i couldn't get over that ball it was yes he caught the ball but the three steps he took were through contact so the cornerback was trying to make a play and then the quarterback quarterback ripped the ball out to me in slow motion, it looks like a fumble. When you yeah. slow it down, it for sure looks like a fumble. Yeah, when you 100%. watch it real time, I immediately thought that's an incomplete pass when I first watched that play. And then I was like, okay, well, they let it play. They called it a fumble so they can go back and review it and overturn it if they have to, right? 
great call <laughs> great call on the field i was yeah. very surprised by the overturn because you have to have clear evidence that it wasn't a catch and to me you exactly. didn't have that but no, that's just my opinion to me it, it could go either way depending on who you're a fan of me being slightly on the clemson side if i have to show my bias because of my mom i could see it i also understand where ohio state fans have a qualm with it to me the bigger thing was the targeting because Trevor Lawrence went from being mediocre at best to having <laughs> something the dude laid a lick on him right in his ear hole and he came out firing it reminded me of when UCF played LSU in the bowl game last year in the Peach uh, Fiesta Bowl and Joey Connors knots Joe Burrow down on the ground so hard that Joe Burrow resurrects himself and becomes a godly quarterback all of a sudden. UCF made Joe Burrow. uh, Yes, UCF did make Joe Burrow, for sure. The even uh, Kurt Herbstreit Pollock even said, after that hit by Joey Connors, Joe Burrow has been a different quarterback. All of 2019, Joe Burrow was the best quarterback in college football, and Trevor Lawrence kind of had his moment. Maybe next year... Trevor Lawrence is going to repeat what uh, Burrow kind of did. And it's going to be interesting to see if he ha- comes with some fire. But in the game, for sure, after he got hit, and that was a nasty hit too, that he got up and he was like – and he he even said after the game that it, it lit a fire. Yeah, it pissed him off and lit a fire under him. And he yeah. started going crazy out on the field and was like, I'm taking this game over. Yeah, he, he put on a Superman cape for sure. Did you think that hit was targeting or no? Uh, it's so close. I think it was. Personally, I think it was. It's. I think it was too close to not call it targeting. I agree. So to me, it shouldn't be targeting. So this is going to sound weird. It shouldn't have been targeting, but they always call that play targeting every like since they've had that, yeah. that penalty. Should be like a per, uh, be like a unnecessary me, roughness or something like that. But to me, it's like the. And this is not just Trevor Lawrence or this play specifically. The runner has the ability to lower their shoulder and put their head within the striking range of a defender trying to make a tackle. He, You watch Trevor Lawrence clearly kind of tuck the ball in, bring his head down, and then that's when the helmet-to-helmet contact. If he stands straight up, he's taking that in the chest, and it's a clean hit. So to me, yes, that's a clear definition of targeting. It was a targeting call, but it shouldn't be one, if that makes sense. They I need get to adjust it. the rule if that, and to make it yes. more. They need to adjust the rule to make it more defensive friendly because right now it's how the hell do I make a tackle? You give me a a one to two <laughs> foot square. You have to hit if you hit him too low, it's unnecessary roughness. If you hit him too high, it's targeting. So you're giving me a one to two foot square to hit some of the best athletes in the world. Can you imagine trying to tackle Travis Etienne or J.K. Dobbins or Justin Fields or Cam Newton or any of these guys on a two foot square? Of their body, like it's just insane to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you that I definitely think the rule needs uh, needs to be looked at and changed. But maybe that will happen in this off, uh, off season coming up, and I hope it does because that will help uh, the games out more and have less people getting these targeting calls and sitting out, changing the course of a game with some yeah. of these players being sat 100%. or having to sit. Hundred percent, but. Ohio State had their chance despite the controversial calls. 
They're in the red zone, what, three times and turn the ball over three times or walk out with field goals? Yeah, that was so, not a pretty stat. And they were known this whole year to be super good in the red zone. So, obviously, when you're playing a defense like Clemson, it, it tends to not show exactly who you are until you're playing a team like Clemson. Yeah, quality with a talent. Really, really, exactly, with a really, really good defense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, who was the toughest game Ohio State had all year? Probably Penn State. Penn State or Wisconsin. So, and then Clemson was <laughs> Oakley Clemson High really did. <laughs> no, probably UNC because they won by one point. UNC should have won that game too, but. They should have at least tied it for sure. They went for two instead of kicking the field. Yeah. Over. It's uh, neither here nor there. Both teams proved themselves to be quality teams. Great game to watch. How do you think Clemson's going to play against LSU? A, be- a better offense, obviously, in my opinion, than Ohio State. Do you think they're going to be able to keep up with that rate of scoring? Or is do you think LSU is going to score that much on Clemson's defense? No, I don't think I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as some people think. I think it's going to be probably where the Clemson Ohio State kind of ended up 23, 29, something around. I think it might be a little higher than that, like in the 30s and maybe low 40s. Um, but I'm just curious to see what Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator for Clemson, dials up and tries to stop Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, the dynamic duo of this passing attack. And seeing if they can slow them down because so far no one has been able to slow them down. They, or at least stop them. Some people have been able to slow them down just a little bit, but I don't know. If, I don't think LSU can be stopped. I think they can be slowed down. But then that means LSU's defense with Del Pitt, Stingley, Chase Young, they're going to need to have big games. They're going to need a couple turnovers and run the clock to get Clemson. Um, not be able to stay caught up with them for most of the game because they're going to need that. I agree with you. Um, Like you said, you made a great point. LSU can be slowed down, but they can't be stopped. I'll be curious to see how Clemson plays against this defense with against these defensive backs. Does Clemson have the ability to get separation and make big plays? Exactly, because they're gonna have to they're gonna have to push the ball down to T. Higgins, and Higgins is gonna be up against Stingley, so that's like two pros going against each other. This would be unreal. Uh, exactly, and Delpit might be li- uh, lining up against um, oh, who's their other receiver that's super good. Oh man, what's his name, dude? I can't believe we forget this. Uh, Justin Ross. Yeah, Justin Ross, Ross, who's a top, probably first second round pick and he's going to be going up against probably Grant Delpit so it's going to be like if they can slow those receivers down well then all you need is the linebackers and uh, Chasey on to slow down ETN in the run game and then they can slow down this um, Clemson uh, offense it's not prolific like LSU um, but they definitely can score they can score in a hurry and I think that I'm just curious to see what that on that side of the ball happens because I know what's going to happen on the other side. LSU's going to score, just don't know how fast, and then it's going to come down to LSU's defense and some of their playmakers. Can they get enough big plays to limit Clemson how many opportunities 
um, they'll be able to have. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So my question to you is, who do you think, if you had to pick a player from either team, on either side of the ball, one player, who would you pick to be, let's say, a game-breaker, quote-unquote, or an impact player, as ESPN would call it? Mine would be Isaiah Simmons. The linebacker slash safety slash corner for Clemson. He is going to need a huge game, and I believe Brent Venables is going to put him in the right position to slow down um, one of the great right, one of the great wide receivers from LSU of Justin Jefferson or Chase. So, and he's going to ha- he's going to need some help from. Some, uh, his defensive guys too, but I think he'll be able to blitz, get up in Joe Burrow's face. He'll be able to cover, cover one of those stud receivers and not let them go off so that um, his teammates can maybe double up on the other receivers. So he's going to need a huge game, and I believe he will have a huge game. Um, and I think we'll be talking about him the day after saying, oh, yeah, this is a legit t- uh, top 10 pick in the draft. And I. I, I love Isaiah Simmons and he just sits four two twenty five and the way he can move at all three positions it's just it, he's just a hybrid type of player and that's that's the best type of player right now in the NFL and in college and if he's in the right positions which like I said earlier I think that's they're going to put him in right situations he's going to have a monster game yeah he's he's unreal so I actually have a stat from Twitter courtesy of uh, Cole Kubelik. He played 720 snaps in 2019. He At safety, he played 169 snaps of his 720. That's almost as many snaps as he did at all the other linebacker positions combined. Jeez. Total at safety, 169. That's crazy. He's lined up at corner 12 times. Right, that's just 6'4", 225 corner. <laughs> That's monster. a nightmare. And and, he's, and he's so you good. think six four two twenty five is slow. He's fast too. He like he's super fast. Yeah, he's he's crazy fast. I don't. He's an athletic freak. I can't wait to see his combine numbers. That's what I'm curious. To Me see. too. Oh yeah, I'm I'm so excited to watch that. Yeah, he's going to put some freak freakish numbers up there. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. So, for me, I'm also going to stay with Clemson just because I think that they have more to prove. I think LSU is the favorite going into this game. Just, I haven't really looked. But, my guess is, I think LSU is going to be the favorite. I'm going with Travis Etienne as my impact player because I think that they're going to have to keep... LSU off of the field. Does that make sense? So they're going to have to be able to run the ball, get first down, first down, first down, and keep the clock moving. The more you can keep him off the field and Joe Burrow off the field, then, you know, it's beneficial for you, obviously, because they can't score as much. So you have Isaiah Simmons. I have Travis Etienne. It's funny that we picked both uh, Clemson players because honestly, we could easily go on LSU if I had to pick 
I'll just, let's do it real quick. If I had to pick a player on LSU, oh man, mm, this is tough. This is tough. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Steenley. Uh I, I think he's gonna have a baller game, and he's gonna have to shut down one of those receive uh, big receivers from Clemson. Either if it's Higgins or it's Ross, he's gonna need to shut one of them down. And I think he can. Certainly has the the athleticism to do it, and I would say he's probably a game-breaker on L- LSU's side. Excuse me. That's a great pick. For me, I'm going to go with Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Derek Stingley. I'm kind of stuck in between those two. I think Derek Stingley's going to have a great game, but to me it's more important to run the ball, traditional SEC, but... Keep the offense off the field. How many touches do you think Clyde will get in this game? Um, because are they going to try and use him a lot as a decoy, or are they actually going to try and use him and use him? Touches overall, and do you mean carries or touches? Both. Let's do carries and touches, because carries, he, I think he'll get maybe about round 12, but touches, I think 23. That's what I was, I was going to say about 25. Me, yeah, he's going to get a lot of little um, passes out of the backfield, little um, little pitches and stuff. Because when you get him out in the um, open areas, especially the flats, he his level to gra- or his he's so low to the ground that when someone hits him, he's staying up for the most part and can just bounce off people. He's like a pinball. And mm-hmm. no one could get him down, and he just gains 5, 10, 15 extra yards on on all these little um, passes and even runs, too. It's it's so hard to tackle him. He's so small. And that's an advantage, obviously, to him. And he needs to make use of that, which he has the whole year. So I, I would think he's going to do it again, especially against Clemson. Yeah, I think, I think you have to run the ball because otherwise Clemson knows that LSU is going to throw the ball a lot. This is how LSU's played all year. So you got to keep the defense honest by running the ball, throwing these little screen passes, like you're saying, these swing passes out. I think he's going to get about 23 to 25 touches like we were talking about. He reminds me a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew in his build, where you're saying he's low to the ground and just a pinball. Very much, yeah. That's a that's a very good comparison. I think, honestly, he if I had to compare him to an NFL player, it would be Darren Sproles. He really? reminds me of Sproles. Yeah, he reminds me of Darren Sproles a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Maybe a, a little thicker Darren Sproles. A little. But... Darren Sproles is tiny. Yeah, but the way Darren Sproles runs, that's exactly how Clyde runs. Okay, I mean, I think... But with more power. I think Clyde is a more, uh, like, a physical back, like you say, more power. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. North exactly, and yeah. yeah. To me, Darren Sproles is a... In my head, just through Madden and watching some of him when he was on the Chargers, <laughs> he's like a five, six, 150-pound running back that has like 99 speed and 99 acceleration. <laughs> and all his elusive moves are 99, but his power is like a three. So he gets exactly, tackled yeah. every time. <laughs> but that's just obviously just my memory off of Madden and some of the NFL that I watch. Not a big NFL guy. But, I mean... I think it's be it's gonna be a great game regardless. Like I said, Battle of Death Valleys. Whoever wins this game has the bright bragging rights as the real Tigers. Yep, that's so. gonna be awesome to 
hear each fan base being chirping at each other. And then that, that kind of leads to if LSU does win the national title, where do you rank Coach O as one of the best coaches in America? Do you put him in the top five, top ten, top three? Where, where do you put Coach O? I think he's an easy top ten. Easy. Without a doubt, top ten. I think you'd be tough to put him in top five. I know. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think he's he's around six to seven. For, yeah. for me, he is. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's benefited a lot from having <coughs> excuse me, a better offensive mind with him. Joe, bringing Joe Brady was the best decision he ever made. And that, if, hey, that is coaching right there. No, De- I agree uh, with you. Delegate, no, no, exactly, exactly. Delegating certain things to certain people and having trust in those people and like you said, I think that was probably Coach O hiring Joe Brady probably is the best coaching decision I've ever seen in college football, ever. In my – just what I think, like I've never seen a better um, hiring just translate. Like I just – I haven't. And the way Coach O did it, I – he knew what he needed to change and he did it. 100% agree. And I, and I agree with you as far as being a head coach. That is a lot of your job is – who are you who are you hiring to make your team better? Who are you recruiting to make your team better? That's all on you. So I do think him making that decision it was a great one, but I don't know if it puts him in the top five discussion of head coaches, if that makes sense. Because without Joe Brady, they probably have another mediocre season. So is he really as a pure coach? Is he really that good? They're going to need to pay. The thing is, Joe Brady's going to – I don't know how long Joe Brady's going to be at LSU. <laughs> but honestly, LSU should make Joe Brady an offer that he can't refuse. Like, may, Say Coach O gets paid, just say $6 million, Pay Joe Brady $4 million. <laughs> Imagine that. Like a assistant coach making $4 million. There's head coaches that made like 500000 which don't get me wrong, 500000 is a lot. I'll take that. But oh, like yes. 500000 yeah, five hundred thousand to be a head coach. It's like, shoot, I'll just stay being the offensive coordinator for four million. And that, the highest I think paid assistant in the country, one of them is the defensive coordinator Brent Venables for Clemson, and I think he yeah. gets paid around two million or something like that. So, and I know Jim Cheney from Tennessee is up there, the offensive coordinator of Tennessee, because they yeah, hired yeah. him away from Georgia. Exactly. So it's like they're going to need to try and keep him at all costs, but he's a, he's super young. So he's going to want his own team eventually and stuff like that. So you won't keep him forever, but maybe groom his um, successor um, right now if you can. <laughs> because you're probably going to lose him in the next two years, if not this year. So, yeah. But then, but then that leads to my last thing. We got to do the last college football bet of the year. LSU, Clemson. And I want I want you to bet too. So I'll say my bet last. And, what is but the spread? You gotta... I need you to give me the information so I can make a educated. All right. The spread is right now minus six for LSU. So LSU is favored by six, um, and the over under is sixty nine point. So sixty nine and a half. So, so the spreads, a, spreads minus 35. six LSU. All right, so on the spread, give me – oh, it's tough. That's a good spread. That's a tough spread. Uh, it, is, it is. It is. If I'm betting this game, I'm probably not going to touch the spread. I would go with the over-under, and I would take the under on that. 
So you're saying, oh, okay. Because that uh, over-under right there is basically saying about 35 points for each team. I don't think they get that high. I think it's. You don't think they think it's. I think it's gonna be a very like you said a Clemson Ohio State kind of game. So to me, it's either gonna be one or the other. It's gonna be a low scoring game, a (laughs) twenty four to twenty one kind of game, or it's gonna be a fifty three to six. Like it's gonna be outrageous. Oh Um, yeah. But I'm gonna take the under, and just for the sake of the argument, give me give me Clemson in the points. Damn, good. I like this. I like your betting right here. So there is so much money that I've heard in Vegas put down on LSU minus six. So when when you hear so many people and so many betters putting down money on a favorite team, you have to go against the public. No matter what, you've got to go against the public. So I'm going against the public. I'm going, give me that uh, plus six on Clemson. I, I still think LSU wins. I truly believe LSU wins, maybe by three to four points. I agree. Uh, and then the over/under, that's tough. Ah, oh, that's tough. The only way I think Clemson gets that spread of that plus sits is if it's a low-scoring game. So I'm going to go with the under on that too. If it's over, then you really don't. It's it's going to be really honestly too much of a clusterfuck basically to be up there if it's that high scoring and it's too hard to guess that. So I'm going to go under and plus sits to Clemson. How many people do you really think are taking the under on this game right now? You just watched no LSU. Oh, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, We're probably you just watched LSU I, put up 63 points. Oh, exactly. I think, well, obviously I know um, the plus sits Clemson is uh, huge against everybody going the other way. And I bet you we're going against the grain again on the under, big I time. I think we're going to. I think we're going against the grain on the under. Huge, like I don't think anybody's taking the under on this game. But I could see people putting money on Clemson to win outright on the money line. Honestly. Oh yeah, I can see that too. So, and who do you have winning the game? I have Clemson. I'm gonna take Clemson on this one. All right, give me your final score projections. I'm going to say that's tough. Oh, that's so tough. Give me 31, 31, 24 Clemson. All right. I'm going to go 35, 31 LSU. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Hey, by the way, I got to shout myself out. Who said LSU was probably one of the best teams in the country in week two of the podcast? Did you go back and listen to it? No, I just remember. Oh, okay. I was just curious if you did or not. See how uh, it's not funny anymore? It's I was right. I hate being right all the time. It just hurts. Cam, you're never right, dude. You're just never right. How about Georgia, though? Like, on a side note, Georgia playing, beating Baylor with 20 starters out. Like, that's we just will, I do want to I, I talk about that, but we're going to save that for our bowl recap. We're going to talk about 
um, all the big headlines of the Bulls of what happened and everything after the national title game. So we're going to get into that next week. I want to save that because that's that's a big uh, topic that I want to talk about. Yes, crazy. And then we'll also jump into some of the grad transfers and players declaring early, stuff like that on the next one as well. So Awesome, man. Well, it was great talking to you. Again, it's been a while. Now that we're settled down from the holidays, we can jump right back into it. And uh, it was great seeing your face, as always. As always, of course. Thank you guys for listening, and have a great week, and can't wait for Monday. Go Tigers. <laughs> Go Tigers. See you. Go Tigers. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a douche, another owner in the night. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a douche, another owner in the night. Runner in the